Dr. Brown, there is something I really have not thought about asking you, but I want to ask you this question. They say that every missionary or every minister of God comes to a point in their ministry where they really have to answer the question, did God really call me to do this? It's more like a doubting moment or a moment in their ministry where they begin to doubt if that's really what God wants them to do. Did that, did that ever happen to you? If so, when was that and how were you able to overcome it? I would say not initially. Um, and so remember, when I was practicing law, I viewed myself in full-time Christian service mm -hmm. in the marketplace. So the switch to ministry in South Africa, it sounds like, you know, Philadelphia lawyer to a missionary in South Africa, that's just a huge change. Mm. But for us, we had been doing ministry, we were trained in ministry. So when we came there, we landed and we were seeing fruit straight away. Typically these questions of did God really call me come when there are times of discouragement yeah. and there is dissension and strife and very little fruit. And then you think, really, yeah. Lord, did you bring me all of this way just for this? Mm. But we didn't have that mm. then. There was a time when I took a post overseeing our church planting efforts across Europe. Mm. And there were some times there, I think, that were discouraging. Europe is a hard place. Basically, white people are rejecting the gospel all over the world. Mm. And Europe seems to be leading the way. Only 3% of the body of Christ estimated is now in Europe. So I think it came at that time. But um, we, we didn't have a... Uh, you know, one of those big aha moments, mm -hmm. calling of the Lord kind of thing. We just, we were ready to, we used to say we were leaning on the door of mission. So mm -hmm. if you had a closed door mm -hmm. and you're leaning weight on it, if God turned the handle, we were gone. You're right to go. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when it happened, it was just like a logical next step. It mm -hmm. wasn't like a big transition for us. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, one of the things you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, is that uh, this past week we've been listening to Dr. David teaching and explaining for hours concerning Christian ethics. Now, one of the challenges in ministry, especially ministries that are starting out, is patience. A lack of patience can lead a man to do all sorts of things. And uh, usually we say, I want it now. I want it and I want it now. What ends up happening is we end up wanting to help God. And this mm. is in courts. Mm. In the process of helping God, we end up in a place where the lines are blurred. This is the essence of Christian ethics, uh, to which you are an expert. Please share with us. Um, this is something you've dealt with and something that you've given great thought. Help us understand how to handle such challenges where the lines seem like they're blurred. You try to help God out in particular situations. How do you handle something like that? Well, that's a question that begs a very long answer. I'll try to be brief. Mm. When times get hard, there's one, the first thing you need to say and confess is God is God and I am not. Mm. So God's work done in God's way, in God's timing, never lacks God's supply. Our God is incredibly slow but he always moves on time. So it is we who are impatient. 
We come into a ministry with our expectations. It's interesting because it's, it's hopes, it's dreams, and then we make plans, <laughs> and then they become expectations that we place upon God. Um, when you look at the disciples, they were very impatient with Jesus. Are you going to restore the kingdom now? What positions will we have in this kingdom? Come on, what do you? And even when he was about ready to ascend, they're still asking, is it going to be now? So the, and I guess it's a justifiable impatience. You do want the Lord's kingdom to come. There is a basic problem though, in that we, since the fall, we are extremely self-oriented and we, at the end of the day, we view ourselves as God and God as our supernatural servant to help us do what we would like to do. Which is do our will. Yes, to do our will. <laughs> and I, I often will say, use the genie of the lamp concept where you have this lamp and you rub it, you know, and the spirit comes out and he says, yes, master, you have three wishes. Mm. And, you know, you can give him whatever wish you want and he'll make it happen. That is the way a lot of people view God. Uh, we are not to put God to the test. He is God. We are not. There is a basic decision that everybody has to make in morality and in Christian ethics. To put it simply, duty ethics versus outcome ethics. Duty ethics evaluates what I am doing, the motivation, my heart motivation for doing it, what is my thinking behind it, and am I doing the right thing at this moment? Outcome is I, I have this goal, this aim that I want to achieve, and I really don't care how, how I'm going to get there. And in English, we sometimes say the end justifies the means. And I mean, all right, so, you know, you can use an extreme example. I'm going to rob a bank so I can put the money in the church offering plate. And that's kind of laughable. But, you know, when you look at Sarah and Abraham in Genesis 16, you have God making a promise. Through you, all the nations will be blessed, and I'm going to make of you a great nation, Genesis 12. He reiterates it, Genesis 15. Here we are in Genesis 16. The years are ticking by. God is taking too long. And so Sarah comes up with a plan to help God. And that, that, that's always a mistake. So what she did was she said, I am not going to do what is right, I am going to go for the outcome. God said, my husband is going to have a son, and I'm not producing a son, so I'm going to make a son happen. And so she chooses Hagar, and of course the outcome is Ishmael, the father of the Arab peoples, who are wonderful peoples, but have been uh, at conflict with the Jews for uh, millennia now. Um, so the difficulty is, in, in the African context, I think a lot of Christians are familiar with the scenario where you have someone maybe in your family who is very sick, almost to the point of death, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and God doesn't do anything. And so you think about, and a lot of African Christians do, result, resort to African traditional religion. They go to the witch doctor in the community, mm -hmm. see if he can do something. 
some kind of potion, some kind of spell, some kind of something appeasing the ancestors, and and maybe, and that's very interesting because it's basically becoming a traitor to God's kingdom to say God, the King and the Kingdom of Light, is a poor king. So I'm going to jump to the kingdom of darkness because, after all, I want a certain result. So it becomes very, very dangerous in the judgment we will answer for these things. Now, to your point on a church plant or ministry, I think uh, one of the reasons that God is slow is because we really don't understand what prayer is about. I think we feel like with our efforts, our planning, our youth outreaches, our sporting events, and lots of enthusiasm that somehow people's hearts will open up to the gospel. But only God, only God. There's only one person in the universe that can change a human heart, opening them up to supernatural truth and taking that in and believing. You know, we have this, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. He is helping us to believe, opening the eyes of our understanding. In some cases, convincing us that our entire worldview needs overturning and embracing the gospel. And so, God is teaching us to pray. God is teaching us to defer to his timing. God is testing us with our own impatience. Maybe we have an idol of control. I think a lot of us in ministry, we want to see people saved. Uh, and we want our plans to work out. And so we have our hands around this thing and we don't want to let God do the work in God's time. So really in ministry, we need to pray and we need to work hard and we need to pray and we need to work hard. But one sows another waters as 1 Corinthians 3 says, but God makes things grow. He is the only one. So I guess that's a long answer to a short question. It's uh, I need to evaluate my duty and do what's right and not what is pragmatic and I need to let God be God. Amen. Some of the principles you just shared actually apply to uh, people who maybe are praying for a spouse and <laughs> no one is, seems to be coming along yes. or us young adults who are praying maybe to have a house, big family and things don't seem to be working. We need to be patient and let God be God. Let God be God. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. David for your insight and uh, it's been awesome listening to you this whole week and uh, may God continue to bless you and your ministry and what you're doing. Thank you David, God bless you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, hope to see you next week. Have a good day. Bye bye.